welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. And my name is Jeremy. And we're here to discuss B-Sides. Oh my god, is it B-Sides or is it C-Sides? I guess we could do C-Sides. <laughs> this is like a like a double album set with two records. No, this is just us not wanting to listen to the second album because we're lazy. <laughs> oh, okay, fair enough. Until later. <laughs> yeah. So, but I like seasides down by the seaside. Down by the seasides. Um, X Factor, right? X Factor number sixty-three. As a matter of fact, Will Sportatio. Yeah, it's uh, it's some good art here. If you're, I mean, welcome to the nineties, right? It even says it right <laughs> on the cover. Will's ninety. Yeah. And I did he. Go over. He must have gone over to Image, right? Yeah, yeah, he yeah. Okay. Did. He was like Cyber Force or something. So, I mean, I oh, know wait, we're gonna I get there. Was, wasn't that Silvestri? I don't know. I don't know anymore. I don't know who did what, but um, the the Cubert stayed back. Is that about yes. right? Yeah, and, and they everybody took over else like left. everything. Yeah, but for now, we've got uh, it's a great cover, dynamic. I would have bought this issue for sure. In my, I don't know if I actually did, but you know, in the in the '90s when I'm when I'm getting all the Liefelds and the Jim Lees, I look at this cover. I'm like, Ooh, I'm buying this. Although I'll be honest, the little Marvel box, it's not very good. The background is sort of you know standard, I guess, for the '90s, right? I.e., I.e., missing. <laughs> well, it's it's blue. It's uh, yeah. So so we got Iceman, <laughs> and he's he's got Opal on the back of his ice slide. And they're, I guess, being chased. Can't really tell what's going on. This guy's got Wolverine claws, but he's got three sets of Wolverine claws on top of each other. It's very complicated. He's got nine claws on his hand. I mean, Wolverine's got three. This guy yeah. should be your new favorite because he's got nine. And they're going every direction. They're going sideways. They're going backward. They're going out. It's claws everywhere. It is a bit much. <laughs> he's my new favorite supervillain. <laughs> I don't remember his name, though. Yeah, I don't think he will ever appear again after this. Maybe and then, the next issue. There's a guy above him that's flying, another guy that's flying and shooting from his hands, and then another guy that's flying and doing more flying from his hands. I don't really know what these guys' power sets are, other than flying. They can all fly. And shooting from their hands. And I think they've got bionics on them. At least as one guy does. They're referred to in the book as cyberpunks. Oh, so my God. That is uh, probably a hot term right now. <clears throat> sure, absolutely. This feels like Will Sportacio came onto the book and sat down with Louise Simonson. And they're like, what do you want to do, Wills? He was like, I want to do cyberpunks in Japan. <laughs> okay. And she's like, Let's... where did I go wrong? <laughs> How did I get paired up with this 20-year-old? I don't know how old Will Sportacio is, but I'm imagining he's a young guy. I mean, he's a great artist and everything. Don't get me wrong. He's got some really good uh, layouts and panels. But <clears throat> I just imagine that first story meeting where he's like, I want to do super awesome cyberpunks. And Louis Simonson was like, oh, <laughs> fine. Or maybe not. Maybe, she, maybe she's into it. She's like, cool. New young blood with fresh ideas. Uh, maybe. I mean, <clears throat> yeah, I, I would hope so. I wonder how long she... Uh, how long she is for this book? Well, we know that by issue 71, it's a whole new team. And that's, uh, I think, written by Peter David. Okay. 
but I don't know between now and then if she's on for the whole thing. Well, we'll have to pay attention to that because I, I feel like, and I don't know this, I don't remember, but I feel like there's probably going to be some filler as they're trying to sort of like retool the X universe here to recreate all those books and kick all the old creators off. Yeah, probably. But uh, we'll see. For now, though, uh, Opal is uh, front and center in this book. She is no longer just Bobby's girlfriend. She's super important. Yeah, which is kind of annoying. It's like, can't you have just a character that's, you know, normal? <laughs> One thing, so I, I we asked, I asked you off pod, and I, I, I did actually find the issue. Her first appearance, Opal's, was no, issue number 51. And, and if you recall, that is the issue where she's like this kind of punky record store employee, and she's chased by some random new Morlock and uh, Iceman, I think, saves her or whatever. And they, they, they kick off their relationship. But in the issue, she's sort of portrayed as like, what well, number one, she's, she's, not, she's not sexy, like classically sexy. She's just a girl who's got like just, you know, punky record store clothes, if that, if that is a descriptor that I can use. Um, baggy pants, like a, like a, a camouflage vest. Um, and she's also... Uh, drawn to be i don't want to say fat but like baby fat she's just got just just, just a little, little 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 baby fat uh around her character design which i thought was kind of interesting right because uh normally in comics you've you've usually got these stunning women that that the characters fall for and in this case uh whatever was happening back in issue number 51 there was a conscious decision to say hey bobby's gonna meet this girl uh, and she's not hot. She's just a normal person who works at a record store. Uh, and now we move on and she's like hot, skinny Asian girl. Which is comics, you know, a part, part of it is that, well, I mean, she's dressed to the nines in this th- throughout this whole issue. And I, you know, they are going out on a date. So it would make sense that they would get dressed up. Everybody looks better when they're dressed up. Oh, absolutely. But in the issue 51, and, and I feel like the subsequent issues after that, there's there's a conscious decision to give her like a little bit of like a weight around her chin, like to like portray that she's just not like a frail, skinny woman. She's she's a woman that has. And I don't know this issue, I guess it's the 90s, like you said. And uh, well, it's also like comic book creators or change hands. And yeah, every every comic book character ends up sexy at some point. <laughs> Whether intentionally or not. Yeah. It's just the way comics works. I think the classic example of that would be Jubilee, where she starts off as sort of this short-haired tomboy character uh, and then ends up in the Marvel swimsuit issue. Do you remember that, Adam? Yeah, I think I I had one of those. There was probably like a a dozen of them. Right, where you're like, oh, for God's sakes. But comics, I guess. Anyways, yeah, so... This issue decides that Opal is related to the Yakuza. Right. <laughs> which, is, which is what I was complaining about. It was like, why can't she just be a girl who is a normal girl and isn't related to some sort of Japanese cyberpunk gangster society? But no, it's comics. Yeah. So uh, um, I mean, Bobby's girlfriend has to be related to something super complicated. It. It is comics, so just about every character's girlfriend or significant other, I should say, is probably going to be wrapped up in some level of drama or yeah. just kind of like relegated to the sidelines after some time. But ninjas are hot, man. It's the 90s. 
in the old days, you would just have them get kidnapped or something, which right. is what happens in this issue. But in the 90s, you have them kidnapped by a Japanese Yakuza clan who it turns out that they are actually related to and they are part of a cyberpunk uh, gangster society. <clears throat> Which, you know, it's it's conceptually is actually kind of a fun idea and it gives a, a lot of stuff to happen. The I thought this issue was a little clunky pacing wise. There was there's a there's a lot of stuff where uh, it just jumps from one thing to another and it's not entirely clear why or I don't know. For example, when everybody decides like Bobby's going to go to Japan because he contacts Mariko. And he's going to come try to save Opal. And the rest of the team is like, hey, for some reason, ship is acting weird. Can we can we spend like a half an hour to look over the ship that you're going to take? And uh, maybe we can go with you. And Bobby's like, no. And then Gene's like, I want to go with you, though. And he's like, OK. And I didn't realize I thought that meant that everybody was going with them, him. But it's just Gene. And. I don't know why we had all this information if it's just going to be Gene. Well, they all end up in Japan at the end of the No, just Gene, just Gene and Bobby. It's been a week since I've read this. Uh, midway through the issue here, issue page 15, I see Cyclops and Gene. But have they not left for Japan yet? That's Bobby and Gene. Oh, that's Bobby. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, I guess the other thing that's worth noting is that other than Beast... All of the X-Factor team are now in their blue and yellow class... No, I don't want to say classic, but classic X-Men colors. They're not... Like, I think Gene had a red uniform. Bobby had, like, a light blue. Cyclops had a blue. Uh, but now they're just in, like, X-uniforms. And this is a redesign, too. And I, I like the redesign. It's, they're pretty cool. <clears throat> yeah, I like these costumes, too. Uh, and I think that's what was confusing me. I was like, oh, well, the, the whole team's in Japan. I would imagine that it's probably just, you know, Will Sportacio is definitely playing around with some layouts because there are some pretty cool layouts here, uh, but he, he probably just doesn't have the the writer's uh, inclination or the flow yet. I'm sure he'll yeah, get there. Yeah, I, I think that's essentially what it is. And it's just maybe forcing Louis Simonson's hand to like, well, Beast is in this panel. I should have him say something. <laughs> uh, but you're right. There was a little bit about the ship and I didn't know. I don't know if this leads into another story that we'll get in X Factor, or if it was just Louis Simonson being like, "I don't know, the ship's messed up." I don't know because it didn't really seem to go anywhere in this issue. And if it's setting up some seeds for later on down the line, that's that's fun. And the other issue was that so they go to Japan, Bobby and Jean, and they meet up with Mariko. And Mariko kind of explains the situation to where it was. And there's going to be a sumo wrestling match. Um, Opal's grandfather wants Opal to marry one of his cyber ninjas. Well, we, we should set this up real quick. Uh, I don't know if it was established in the previous issues. Maybe it was. Uh, she's been adopted by some people in the U.S. or those are her actual parents. They're adopted well, parents. Those are adopted yeah. parents, yeah. Uh, but I think it's like it's actually her uncle that has adopted her. There was some weird family connection, but bottom line, the grandfather now is like, we bring you back to the home country uh, and marry you off is what's happened. She's like, no, I'm, I'm an American. I, I have a boyfriend. I choose my destiny. Well, they think they killed 
Bobby. So oh, that's right. Technically, she doesn't have a boyfriend, or at least they think they don't, because they threw Bobby out a window of like a ten-story building or something. Right. Um. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember the connection between the the adopted parents and the the family. I know that they said that they were. They didn't tell her about it because they were afraid that exactly this would happen. Um, I guess it's it's tough being related to the Yakuza. Yeah, I bet. But uh, so they they get to Japan. Um, Mariko kind of informs them what's going on and comes up with a plan. There's a sumo wrestling match that Tetsuo, the uh, grandfather, is kind of hosting. Tetsuo the Iron Man? <laughs> no. <laughs> Common name, yeah. common Japanese name. Maybe. Gotcha. I don't know. Um, and Mariko's invited and she's like, oh, I'm going to go and I'm going to bring all my ninjas and we're going to kidnap Opal back. And then Bobby's like, I don't think it's wise to wait. He's one. He's a gangster. He's one of the worst. And it's like, she knows. She told you. Right. It's like, trust Mariko. <laughs> and so he eventually he does. He He decides to trust her. But then. The grandfather and here's the here's the other issue I had. This is all combining. Uh at first Opal is upset and she's like, I'm not gonna follow along with this. I don't want to marry this person. But at some point she decides, okay, I'm gonna pretend to be the perfect granddaughter and find my chance to escape. And then at some point at the uh tournament, at the wrestling match. She just stands up and is like, hey, help, I'm being kidnapped. <laughs> yes. Like, well, that was a perfect not, moment. That's not how you escape. Um, there's a bit in here where Mariko, uh, I guess this is the first meeting of Gene and Mariko, which makes sense because uh, I yeah. think previously it was either Phoenix or no Gene at all. Uh, but Mariko's like, oh, there's Gene. I, she's so beautiful. I can see why Wolverine was so smitten by her. And then Gene's like, oh, that's Mariko. She's so powerful and beautiful i can see why wolverine was smitten by her she has such tragic nobility she thinks to herself yep i thought that was a uh, a a nice touch or a nice callback uh, to to connect those dots but yeah absolutely to your point like mariko runs clan yashida she probably knows the underworld she probably knows this other the, this the yakuza group uh, so listen to her, take all your cues from her and you'll probably get out of this caper, but nobody does. Well, they do, but then they do ish. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, exactly. they start off listening. Opal sort of, I guess maybe kicks it into gear when she says, help, I'm being kidnapped. Uh, and that's when Iceman's like, no, I'm not waiting. I'm going to spring into action. Right. And then they, there ends up being a big old fight. Um, with ninjas and cyberpunks and Iceman. Iceman freezes somebody in a block of ice, and then somebody else thinks... Let's see, where is it? This was another thing that I thought was kind of funny. Uh, oh, I can't find it. <laughs> well, one guy thinks, well, he's trying to spare us. Uh, oh, he, he meant to spare us. Why? He is our enemy and Opal's lover, but he is honorable. He froze him in a block of ice. Mm-hmm. nothing about that says that he's trying to spare you well that's like that's like a death sentence we've discussed this before <laughs> but in the real world we know that putting somebody in a block of ice would probably be a death sentence but in the marvel universe we've also established that iceman can do this over and over again and and nobody ever gets hurt and there's no serious repercussions so 
my theory is that the Yakuza like pays attention to U.S. news and has seen many of these incidents where Iceman has frozen him in a block of ice. And he's like, look, <laughs> he froze him in a block of ice. That means he's noble and doesn't want to kill the person he put in the block of ice. That's yeah. the theory I'm going to go with. I, 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 You could be right. It could also be that <laughs> ice in the Marvel Universe is, is much weaker. Yeah, it's that. just not as cold. <laughs> <clears throat> Or maybe perhaps that's part of Iceman's mutant powers is he he does something that looks and uh, essentially feels like ice but isn't cold somehow. I don't know. I, I think if that's the case, and it very well could be, he's just not aware of it because how many times have we seen Iceman freeze somebody only for them to just bust out right away? Right. <laughs> or for it to be completely ineffective. So I think Iceman's under the impression that like, no, I'm doing something effective. And it just... It just doesn't sink in that. No, every time you do this, it just doesn't work. So this whole time, he's really just been Plastic Man, but that name's taken. So. <laughs> uh, the other thing that I'd call out is I liked Mariko's character design um, in, in every drawing of her. She's, she's for- much less formal than she has been in the past. She, this is kind of an updated Mariko. Yeah, but like uh, she's got, I don't know why, but. She's got the the crow's feet at the edge of her eyes, which kind of like, I don't know, maybe like elevates her maturity and sort of like when she's giving instructions uh, or on panel sort of setting these things up, uh, you I felt like I was listening to a wise woman who who is a leader giving instructions. I sort of agree except that bobby also has those crows things so i think it's just will sportatio doing extra lines where there doesn't need to be extra lines but yeah she definitely looks uh, she looks aged up a little bit when you look at um when you look at opal she's got a very no lines on her face very few lines on her face no age lines anyways and then when you switch over to mariko there's there looks to me like there was a conscious decision to be like you know mariko's not 20 she's She's older. She's wiser. She's seen some things. She's done some things. Um, I like that design. Nice little so, touch there. There's a page. Uh, I think it's 15, according to Marvel Unlimited, that uh, bottom has left, Mar- bottom right, with Mariko oh, okay. and Iceman. Yeah, and Iceman also looks very old. He he does. I like both of these on page 15, especially bottom left, bottom right. He. Like there's a there's a structure to her mouth there where it's very descript. Uh, it's not just generic face, and you can only tell them apart by their hair. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. So good faces, Wills. Yeah, I don't um, know, it's pretty much X Factor sixty three. The issue ends with um, basically Iceman saying that. Well, Mariko gets mad at Iceman for being impetuous and impulsive. And Iceman's like, hey, uh, your plan just didn't plain work. And Gene says, you didn't give it a chance. And Iceman's like, well, now I'm going to do what I want. It's what I wanted to do in the first place. I'm just going to invade Tetsuo's stronghold. Yeah, it, it's the other rationale here is that Tetsuo can teleport Mariko, as you saw. So he could have fled no matter what. So even if your plan would have been executed, he would have just teleported away. To me, it sort of feels like, again, Louis Simonson's like, I don't know what happened here. Let me just write all exactly, this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a little, it's it's not, constri- it's, you know, it's not constructed very well. It's just a lot of, it's a lot of 
words. It's to... told, not shown. So I think on the last page, uh, 21, you see, I guess it's Tetsuo firing a blast over at Iceman, and then they're all crackling in yellow, which could mean teleportation, or it could just mean that the combined powers of all those people created this energy beam. Then you go to the next page, and you're like, where are they? So they had well, to somewhere say, like, hey, he can teleport. Yeah, Iceman, as in that same panel you were pointing at, Iceman thinks to himself, they're teleporting away. Yeah. Opal. Yeah. So, so I don't know, are all the ninjas dead? As <laughs> Mariko says, my forces are devastated, destroyed. I don't know. The one guy that is, I think, in a block of ice looks like he's missing a head. <laughs> well, yeah, he got his head got chopped off okay. by a ninja. Yeah, okay. Because the where Bobby was just freezing people in order to keep them alive, the ninjas were taking advantage of that and chopping their heads off. Oh yeah, okay. These are um, Mariko's ninjas. Yeah. Oh my god. Who's the guy that's laying in the pool of head blood? Is that just a random ninja? I think that's another Cyberman. I think they killed two Cybermen. Okay. Or cyberpunks or whatever. I would they... love it if Doctor Who crossed over <laughs> into the X Factor verse. Somewhere in this issue, they are referred to as cyberpunks. So that that term must be hot right now. It's the early nineties. Uh, when did uh, when did that book come out? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it must have come out in the late eighties. You I think. know what book What's I'm the, talking about, right? Yeah, William Gibson. There's, you know, he wrote all those books. Well, actually, uh, I was thinking of. I, I think most of them were in the eighties. I was thinking of oh, the one where he delivers pizzas on his hover skateboard. Oh, boy. I'm not going to remember is that, it. Is that a movie? It's a book. I don't think they've ever made it. Surprisingly, I don't think they've ever adapted it into a movie. It's like I, the... Okay, cyberpunk books. It's like the cyberpunk book. Snow Crash. Oh, I never read that. Oh. That's that's by that other guy, the other big... Neil Stevenson. Oh, originally Stevenson. published in June of 1992. So maybe he ripped off X Factor. <laughs> <laughs> you said, who's the other guy? W William Gibson? William Gibson. He's William. known as the pioneer of this. Uh, he coined the term cyberspace, apparently. Okay. Um, he is known, credited with pioneering. I'm on this Wikipedia page. The science fiction subgenre known as cyberpunk. Yeah. Okay. So you've got... Neuromancer, 1984, I've heard of that book. And then you've got Count Zero, I've heard of that book. Uh, Mona Lisa Overdrive, I've not heard of that book. But both of those, all three of those, are in the 80s. 84, 86, and 88. And something I've else called Burning Chrome from 82. I've read Mona Lisa Overdrive, and I've read The Difference Engine, which was... Um, I don't remember that. Mostly it was for a college course. It was a long time ago. Oh, Difference but, Engine uh, was 1990. Oh, and he wrote Johnny Mnemonic? Was that a book or is that like an adaptation of the movie? Apparently it's a short story. Okay. Okay. That was adapted into a full-length movie. Oh, my God. And then there's Alien 3, the unproduced screenplay by William Gibson? I bet yeah. You, I bet you that's better than the movie. <clears throat> uh from what I've so that I think I have the comics of that. Okay. And uh, from what I've read, it's not terrific. Oh, <laughs> that's that's unfortunate. But that's, then again, neither is the movie that came. I, actually, I don't I don't mind Alien Three just because it came out in that sweet spot of when I was starting to form my own opinions, sort of thing. So it was kind of the one of the early movies that I was like, I don't know, 
there are some things that are you you acknowledge that are not necessarily good, but because they came out at a particular time, you're like, I love that movie. Okay. Um, I loved Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom when it came out, but I still love that movie. As an older person, I it's the best one. <laughs> I don't love it. Uh, I don't hate it, of course, because I and I don't know if that's just rose colored glasses or just because it's well because it's horribly racist. I don't know, but <laughs> I uh, it is uh, yeah, yeah. I think we've had this discussion before. In my opinion, it is definitely not the best one. I would I would put it above Crystal Skulls, but I don't know if I'd put it above the Sean Connery one. It does what it sets out to do, which is to be a silly, fun, ridiculous adventure i guess <laughs> i don't know coming on the heels of raiders of the lost ark though it, it just seems to be raiders of the lost ark is almost an entirely different type of movie yes i it's can much, agree with that it's much more serious it's much less I, goofy i think if you would have cast if they would have cast uh, anybody else uh and made it a different franchise give it a different name or somebody in the temple of doom uh, That's I, interesting. I, I, that, I wonder. I probably would have a different opinion of it. I'd probably be like, well, it's kind of like Raiders of the Lost Ark, but, you know, a little bit more goofy and fun. Uh, then I wouldn't probably be comparing. I don't know. Is it comparable, 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 say, to uh, that John Carpenter movie, uh, Escape Big from Trouble in Little China? Oh, um Maybe. That's Maybe goofy fun, isn't it? I haven't seen that in yeah. I mean, decades, but. there's there's magic and and stuff happening in in that in Big Trouble in Little China. There's a little. There's definitely magic and stuff happening in Temple of Doom. So yeah, maybe. Maybe sure that's what it needed. That. Maybe maybe I would love that movie if it had uh, uh, what's his face, uh, Snake Blitzkrieg, Kurt, Kurt Russell, Kurt Russell. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I still like it. It's a good romp. Yeah, I don't hate it. I'm just it's not, it's, it's, it's not it's, my favorite. The 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 main issue with it is that if it follows Raiders of the Lost Ark, it just has a completely different tone. And if you really want that tone, you're not going to get it. It's a completely different tone. Whereas the next one with Sean Connery goes back to the original tone. I feel like it's in between. There's some silliness. And and, and in my opinion, Cribs pretty much Raiders of the Lost Ark beat for beat. Oh, they pretty much do all the same stuff. I should watch it again. It's been a long time since I've seen it. I remember Roger Raiders of the Lost Ark and then watch. What is that one called? Crystal Skulls? Uh, no, oh, not Crystal uh, Skulls. Last Crusade. Last Crusade. Yeah. And <clears throat> and see how the the, the scripts, the uh, the timelines right. are kind of parallel. And then and then watch Crystal Skull and see how that basically does the exact same thing. So it makes more sense. Twenty some years later i've but. i've told this story before but i'm gonna tell it again because it's 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 uh there's only been two instances of this happening in a movie theater so we my parents took me to see last crusade uh at a, at a movie theater and uh, we watched the movie and we were enjoying it and there's a scene uh, i don't know towards the end of the movie where all the airplanes are flying around and one of the airplanes flies through a tunnel and like its wings get knocked off and it's just like skidding across the ground Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a fun scene, and if you rewatch it now, you're like, oh god, it's just like matting and green screen all over the place. It's not a great effect back then. I, I think it it worked well. The 
the the family behind us, I think the father, the whole time that scene was playing out where the plane like flies into the tunnel and the wings get gets chopped off, he's like, Oh my god, oh my god He's like totally freaking out and panicking about what's <laughs> happening on the screen. And I'm sitting there as I don't know, like an eleven year old, like what the f like it's special effects. Like <laughs> nobody's in any danger right now and he was really having a fit. The second time that that's happened, uh we were watching this is relatively recently. We were watching um, the uh, Force Awakens, and when Han Solo gets uh, stabbed in the middle in, in the gut, spoilers, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> this woman from behind us just like let out this huge sob, <laughs> like she was like emotionally moving, moved by the death of Han Solo, and. Uh, it was it was definitely weeks into because I saw that movie twice in the theater, uh, and as much of a super fan as she was, I feel like this was probably not her first viewing. But yeah, <laughs> she let out like a wail. She's like, "Oh my god!" I was like, "Jesus, lady." <laughs> Anyways, people, I guess you know, good for them. People get involved emotionally involved in their stories. People, people really, yeah, they get. Maybe that guy was a pilot. And he was having like PTSD. Maybe it was it was definitely like an excited, uh, like oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Anyways, people get into movies. Have you ever clapped at a movie, Adam? No, <laughs> I I don't see the point. <laughs> yeah, it's like who are you clapping for? They're not here. Nobody's here. You're clapping at nothing. <laughs> the only time I clapped at a movie is. Uh, I went to a premiere or a showing of My Name is Bruce. And at the end of the go. movie, Bruce Campbell walks out. And he's like, hey, guys. And I had no idea Bruce Campbell was going to be there. And I clapped. If if somebody is there, that makes sense. <laughs> he even gave somebody like $5 because he's doing like a little bit of Q&A. And somebody, somebody mentioned something about Briscoe County Jr. He's like, oh, my God, it was you. And he like, come here. I want to give you some money. And he gave that guy five bucks. And I was like, oh. I wish I would have said something clever to get a Bruce Campbell $5. <laughs> would you frame that $5? Heck yeah, I, bet I would have like ironed it out and put it in the frame and been like $5 from Bruce Campbell. And I you need know to rewatch Briscoe County Jr. You know how much that $5 bill would have been worth? $5. $5. <laughs> yeah, anyways. Well, do you, do you recall Briscoe Johnny, County Jr. at all? I never watched it. Okay, because I, I remember watching it as a kid and not, not enjoying it. As much as I guess I, I going back to Indiana Jones, I felt like it should be like an Indiana Jones style romper and the expectations were set to that. And it really isn't that. And I think I want to go back and see if it's actually any good One of from an these, adult perspective. Right. One of these days I do want to watch Briscoe County Jr. Jack of all trades because I've only seen a couple of those episodes and then uh, burn notice. Burden notice. Yeah. yeah, I've not watched. I've really not watched any of Bruce Campbell's TV shows, and it's not because I'm against it. It's just they've aired in times where I'm just not interested in TV or not thinking about it. Um, so there you go. There was a period of time where I was watching Hercules and Xena. I 
and uh, he would show up on that occasionally, and that was fun. I, I always enjoyed that because I did. I didn't. I wouldn't say I was a regular viewer of either of those, but if I happened yeah, I to be watching either. TV on like a Saturday or a Sunday or whatever day they those came on, uh, I, and I turned the channel <clears throat> and those were on, I would watch them. And every yeah. now and then, Bruce Campbell would show up and he'd be like, "Yes." <laughs> And then they gave him his own show, Jack of All Trades, which I lasted a season, I think. Is that a spinoff of, of his character from no. regular years and Cena? No, it's a no. different show altogether. Just totally oh, different show. Right. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know that one as well. Yeah. I, it's probably quick. It, they were 30-minute episodes, as I recall. A season was probably 12 episodes because it was like a mid-season uh I only found out about it because we were watching the Super Bowl, and after the Super Bowl, they're like, stay tuned for Jack of All Trades and some other show starring Bruce Campbell and somebody else. And my friends and I were like, oh my god, this is a great day. We get to watch the Super Bowl, and we get to watch Jack of All Trades. <laughs> and that was like, that was it. Now he's in a new movie. Uh, I s oh yeah, I saw that. Black Friday. Yep. Yeah. It's fun. Which presumably came out on Black Friday. Uh, it was. I watched it on Thanksgiving Day. Oh, you've already seen it? Yeah. Oh, okay. I think it came out on HBO Max and maybe some theaters. Is it worth watching? I mean, if you've got HBO Max and 90 minutes to kill. Okay. It's not It's not horrible. Is it basically Ash uh, is now the manager of Esmart? <laughs> can you, can you, no. Can you imagine that? No, no? it's not okay. that at all. No, it's... Uh, Actually, Bruce Campbell is more of a supporting character. There's, That's what it looked like. Yeah, there's a couple of other characters that are more the lead, but okay. it, it's really. My wife actually liked it because she used to work retail, and so she would do Black Friday, oh. uh, and so she was into it. She was into it. She liked it. Okay, cool. Yeah. And there's plenty of like blood and gore and stuff like that, but also you know lampooning basically. Black Friday. Lots of retail jokes. Yeah, Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Girls School from Heck, part three of three. A another another issue that, you know, kind of is clunky storytelling, but this feels very rushed. Like, yes, like this shouldn't have been there should have been another issue or maybe I don't know. Maybe that's wrong. Maybe there just needs to be a better pacing. So the first couple, and I think we even talked about this, the first couple of issues were were engaging. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and the relationship between Kitty and the bad girl sort of took a non-traditional turn where they teamed up and, and sort of set aside their differences and everything. Very nice to, to sort of uh, steer away from those tropes. Uh, but here, like, the Phoebe girl, she's doesn't do much like we set all yeah, this all stuff that, up and all that characterization that was set up it gets thrown by the wayside for this issue because they just have to get that plot to where they from a to b yeah and the other thing is right so setting everything up here mesmero mesmero is uh he's he's mesmered all of the uh excalibur folks to do his bidding because there's somebody who's after him and he's trying to be a good person, but somebody's trying to rope him back in. So he's got Excalibur to protect him. Kitty and Phoebe in the girls' schools, they're competing for the cheerleading contest for the American Football League that's now in England so that they can raise the money to save the girls' school. So that's what's happening know, here. Was this a real thing? Was there really an American Football League? Or yeah. was this just all made up for the comics? 
I don't know. I bet you it's been tried, and probably they're like, this isn't this isn't football. <laughs> they're not even using their feet. <laughs> right. A score of 78? What? <laughs> what is even the point? If the score is more than three, something's wrong. Games don't end in a tie? So anyways... <laughs> They yeah they show up and they 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 meet all of the American cheerleaders and and they're they're like oh god we're hopelessly outmatched here but they're like we're gonna give it our all uh, and right oh Fenris returns by the way Fenris is I guess who's who's uh, attacking Mesmero yes Fenris so is trying to manipulate Mesmero's powers to their advantage so that's fun I'd sort whatever of whatever happened to Fenris yeah now you know here they are. In in England, trying to take over Mesmero. So the girls are getting ready to do their thing, and, and Kitty's like, oh, Excalibur's here. Gotta go. Yeah. Well, <laughs> she sees she sees that Excalibur is fighting, and she assumes they need her help, which just is like, generally, no. I mean, not, nothing nothing about what happened. I think she saw the Phoenix Force right. uh, gave her a signal that they need her help. It should be more like, oh my, when she does say it, like, oh, they're, they're in this reality. And so rather than yeah. her being like, they need my help, it should be like, uh, I gotta go see them. Sorry, girls, like, this is way more important than the cheerleader contest or the school. Like, my friends who I thought were lost in a different dimension are here I, and using the Phoenix Force, so clearly there's a fight happening. I gotta go check this out. Yeah. But she's like, oh, I gotta go. They need me. Uh, and so she takes off and uh, she's yeah, during the girl's routine. Yeah. She couldn't even wait or I don't know. It's 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 weird. I feel like this is not how they were going to do the story, but they needed to wrap it up because it seems to it really deflates the payoff. Yeah. But and the girls do fairly well, but they still don't win, mm -hmm. which is fine, um, which, you know, makes sense. Uh, Excalibur barely notices that Kitty's back. Hey, you must you. Hey, it turns out you're okay. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, Mesmero is about to mesmer Kitty when Lockheed shows up, and I, I really love this Lockheed drawing here on page twenty, where he like raises his arms up and he's 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 got his angry face on, and then he flames Mesmero in the butt. What is what was Lockheed's? Lockheed wasn't. He's just hanging around. He wasn't mesmered. I. Can you mesmer a dragon? He's probably like, oh, my people, they're doing this thing now. I guess I'll hang out with them. Because he's at the panel previous, he's just like hanging out on Mesmero's shoulder. Yeah, which... I don't know. Maybe he's just, he's just waiting for his, t his turn to help. <laughs> his opportunity. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> and okay. Then Kitty shows up and is like, now is my time. And they, mm -hmm. yeah, there's a bunch of uh, uh, Batman style sound effects in a black panel in which they take out Fenris and Mesmero. It was all right. It like like we said, you know, it should have it should have had more space to breathe. It should have had more development on the characterization <clears throat> that we got in the previous issues. It does say uh, the first thing I noticed on the first page. It says Stanley presents Chris Claremont's fond, albeit frantic, farewell to Excalibur. Oh, so I, I missed that is his last issue. Yeah. Uh, uh, and Courtney Ross shows up and she's like, "I'll pay the bills." Yeah, is she still Saturnine? Is that a thing anymore? I don't know. Like, are we doing that plot? It Or is this just Courtney Ross is normal now? I don't know. And we'll have to see because she dropped Kitty off at the school. And to me, it, 
felt like a storyline was starting where uh, Saturnine, I guess, was was going to like keep a wedge between Excalibur and Kitty for reasons that would probably become apparent over the next you know handful of issues or whatever. But yeah, I mean, I, with Chris Claremont leaving the book, it's probably like, well, let me just wrap this up quick and here, this is this is next writer's problem. I don't know. Remember, there was that. Well, shoot, there was that issue where Courtney Ross invites Brian into her office, but then I yeah, think that was all retconned into like he was, uh, he wasn't Brian Braddock. He was the vanished. Right. No, the uh, uh, what's his face, the illusion guy. Yes. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. What's his name? I don't know. Damn it! <laughs> but I know who you're talking about. Yeah. So yeah, all all of that stuff where Brian was having an affair again on on Megan, I guess, and was acting a little odd. Get got retconned as that wasn't Brian. So does that also mean that Brian's not having an alcohol problem? Maybe that was a thing that sort of happened. Yeah, maybe maybe all of those humanizing personality quirks that sort <laughs> of made the book interesting and created some conflict and tension uh, was never Brian in the first place. So it's I all just gone. Wrote that out. Okay. <laughs> So, yeah, it'll be interesting to to read on to see how much of this is just filler until, uh, I don't know, until everything What's gets the retooled. Next big thing that happens in Excalibur? I don't know. Because the team the, doesn't they, really get shuffled up that much, I don't think. Are they affected by the 90s? I don't think they're affected by, like, Phoenix and Nightcrawler and Kitty. I don't think they join any of the X teams in America. I think they stay in England hmm. as Excalibur. Okay. I think, you know, years and years and years later, like Juggernaut becomes a member of the team. But well, that's yeah, Juggernaut eventually becomes a member of the Uncanny X Men. Yeah. But that's that's years uh, in the future. So I I have no idea. It'll be interesting to see where this goes. Uh and it might just be a bunch of filler issues until they figure it out. I don't know. Here's a question. Why does Kitty put on a blonde wig and Phoebe puts on a brunette wig? I don't know. They're just switching <laughs> hair colors. <laughs> I don't know, Adam. I mean, maybe it's just for fun. I mean, Kitty kind of giggles and it's like, all my life I've dreamed of living it as a blonde. Yeah, maybe Phoebe's like, oh, I hate being a blonde. But I mean, Phoebe has, I guess, the perfect hair for this. So it's weird that she's wearing a wig, but maybe Kitty doesn't have perfect hair for it. So she needs a wig. So she decided to get a blonde wig. So Phoebe decided, well, if you're going to have a blonde wig, I better have a brunette wig so that we're, we, I don't know. Maybe I'm they, putting, maybe they, putting too much thought into this. Yeah. Maybe they surprised each other and they're like, all right, everybody, let's get makeovers tonight and we'll show up tomorrow and be ready for the cheerleading contest. And off panel, they got their, their wigs and Phoebe's like, you know what? I'm sick of this blonde uh, trope of of us being. I'm gonna I'm gonna put brunette on and 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 we're gonna do it our own way and I'll be just like Kitty and Kitty's like oh you know what I think it'd be a real testament to Phoebe if I did a blonde wig and then they showed up and they're like oh you oh but I oh and then they just went with it that's what I think none of it happened on panel yeah of course <laughs> <laughs> there's uh, also a very strange panel where Mesmero's testing Excalibur I guess by having them fight robots and then at the end of it. Uh, Brigadier uh, Allison Stewart, yeah. whose brother is hypnotized, shows up 
and Mesmero can't hypnotize her. And then he thinks to himself, it's strange that I can, I can't hypnotize her, but I can hypnotize her brother. And they never come back to that. Neither of those characters ever show up again. So um, why did that happen? I uh, thought it was going to be like a, a thing where it turns out that her brother was faking the whole time, waiting for his moment, just like Lockheed. Don't know. But the, uh, the cheerleaders do help out with the battle with Excalibur. Nightcrawler is able to separate Fenris and the, uh, as they are separated and attempting to get back together, the, the cheerleaders take them out with their canes. So it all does come full circle, sort of. Yes. All of the tools in the toolbox were used very quickly. Well, there's a, Uh, it should be noticed that Kitty whispers to Nightcrawler at the last panel, I'll tell Phoebe later that I'm going to go back with you guys. Oh, <laughs> yes. Uh, it's kind of funny. Thor, Thor 429. Yeah. Juggernaut. Excalibur uh, does not do a lot in this issue, but they're there. Uh, Ghost Rider also stalks these pages. I owned this issue for that oh. very reason. Were you disappointed when you read it? And you're like, where's Ghost Rider? He's in it a little bit, but he's mainly in the next issue, which I also have. So, yeah, I mean, I think I was more disappointed that they were doing a connection to Mephisto with Ghost Rider in this and not Ghost Rider's own book. Mm. I was like, you can't do that. (laughs) In my my teenage mind, I was like, you have to keep all the cool stuff in the Ghost Rider book. So do what you want. Yeah. Comics. This issue, as we left off, uh, Juggernaut's ruling this alien planet, I guess. Uh, and as you mentioned, Excalibur does very little. They're stuck in bubbles for the most part. Uh, Thor and Juggernaut fight a lot. The hammer comes into play a lot. The 60-second thing, like Thor loses his hammer for 60 seconds and turns into Eric Masterson for a minute. But then uh-huh. he gets his hammer back. So a lot of, lot so of fighting. He does a thing where he throws his hammer and the hammer spins around the entire city and negates all mystical energy, which means that um, Juggernaut's helmet doesn't protect him like it normally does. We also punch 60 seconds. He punches (laughs) the helmet off of Juggernaut, too. Right. That's that's after he is the mystic. uh, The mystic energy has been negated. He's able to punch the helmet off. Juggernaut still holds his own, though, which mm-hmm. surprised me. Even without that mystic bands of Sidorak, he's still pretty powerful. And apparently uh, all of the, these three pages is last 60 seconds because the hammer flies back into Thor's hand. And uh, Juggernaut gets his powers back. He's unable to lift the hammer, as we would expect, because yep. he's not honorable. And then Thor spins his hammer around and puts it around Juggernaut's hand, and the hammer goes flying, probably to another asteroid, at which point he turns back to Eric Masterson, and he's like, you guys, I'm not going to lead you, you guys can lead yourselves. And then the hammer returns, and he's Thor again. And we learn that uh, Juggernaut is now on just on an asper- asteroid in the middle of space. <laughs> yep. This is only a minor setback. I'll eventually find my way back to the planet Earth. Nothing could stop the Juggernaut. Nothing. And he is flying through space, bubbly space, uh, on an asteroid. Yep. Which means he doesn't need to breathe breathe air. Which I guess I think we've established 
previously. Yeah. <clears throat> you can you can do whatever is is needed. Um, did did you ever read or are you familiar with the whole Hulk uh, World War Hulk thing where uh, a bunch of heroes decide that the Hulk is a danger to the Earth, so they send him to another planet. It's like Scarrow or something like that. Yeah, well, that Scarrow is the Dalek planet. Oh, okay. <laughs> Doesn't he end up having a son named Scar? Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Anyways, I'm aware of that storyline. I've never read it. I'm sort of intrigued by it. Uh, but, you know, if I wait long enough, somebody's going to make a TV series or a movie about it, and then I'll just watch it. Well, the closest they came was that Thor Ragnarok movie, which essentially has Hulk in the arena, which is, I think, what the the story has. He ends up taking over that planet and having a son, like you said. But that reminded me of of this, and I wonder if this was sort of an inspiration. Like, I don't think anybody was copying this story, but the same thing happens with Thor. Sends Juggernaut off to a planet, and he ends up sort of taking over the planet and becoming the new, more benevolent ruler than the old ruler, who is apparently a monster. And uh, Excalibur takes out the old monster ruler. So I don't know. I don't know if this is related or not, or if it's just a big coincidence, or maybe it's the type of thing where whoever wrote, wrote that Hulk story read this and it kind of stuck in their brain, even though they didn't realize it sort of thing. Sure. But I wonder. Who knows where, where some of this inspiration comes from. Yeah. <clears throat> and then at the end, Captain Britain shows up and he's like, nice job, Thor. Yep. And that's about it. We don't even get to see Excalibur return back to Earth. Yeah, they. I think it's in an off panel they say... Uh, meanwhile, having returned to Earth and bid a fond farewell to the members of Excalibur, the mighty Thor resumes his life as Eric Masterson. Yes. So, At which point, apparently, his identity has been... I don't know, it doesn't matter. I don't care about Thor. Yeah, there's a big... We know your secret, but they don't say what the secret is. So, yeah. of course, it's not going to be that we know your Thor. Right, right. <clears throat> I'm, I'll read the next issue because I haven't read it in a long time and it has Ghost Rider. If I remember, I'll let you know. Oh, I can't, but, I can't wait because this is very important information that I want. I am absolutely positive that I won't remember. <laughs> so look forward to not that. <laughs> look forward to not hearing the follow-up to that. Yeah. Uh, Web of Spider-Man. Number 74. Yeah. It's the follow-up to the, uh, I don't know, this is like a four-part. I don't know if... Colossus is in all of these. I don't think but... I read this issue, Adam. Oh, no? Yeah. No. Yeah. Hit... Oh, we'll save it to the next episode. No, then. no. Hit, hit, hit me to it. Uh, it's Art Attack Part 2. It was a follow-up. Remember the last one where you had those weird bad guys with the Ruby? Ruby was one of them. Yeah. With her bubble head. Well, we get another, uh, the avant-garde, another group of bad guys who are not quite as interesting. The main guy is has a bunch of cockroaches that speak another language crawling all over him, and he has a magic paintbrush that he can do anything with. Uh, but the main gist of this issue that is fun is that Peter Parker is taking uh, MJ's cousin, I think, or maybe sister, I don't know, uh, out to an art show to give her some sort of experience, and they meet uh, Peter Nicholas there. And Peter Nicholas has a sketchbook, of course. He's, like, sketching mj's cousin and uh you know the bad guys attack and spider-man stops them but it's nice to see peter nicholas doing stuff at an art show hmm. i read 73 that also has peter nicholas yeah, yeah we we covered that one yeah. as well huh. well i missed out on that i'll have to that one's not i don't think in marvel unlimited which is why I missed no that. it's not yeah but yeah i'll have to find that so i can keep up on the antics of peter nicholas 
There should be a copy of it on our server. Well, don't now, now everybody knows our secrets. <laughs> yeah, there's some behind the scenes here. <laughs> Anyways, as a thing that you won't remember and I didn't remember is the one of the one of the members of the Avant Guard is from a stray issue of uh, Moon Knight that we covered on the show where the X Men showed up. And I was like, I don't remember this person at all. But Peter Nicholas did. Hmm. He's like, I I vaguely remember this woman from a past life that doesn't make any sense to me. And they, you know, I think they show Colossus. I definitely don't remember that. Yeah, I had to go back to look it up. And even looking it up in Marvel Unlimited, which did have that issue of Moon Knight, I didn't remember it very well. <laughs> well, finally, Marvel Comics presents number 61. Ended as it began, confusing and stupid. Yeah, the story had a lot of promise in the middle uh, as we kind of got excited about... All the goodwill we got from the middle (laughs) went away. Uh, Yeah, Hulk's on top of like the Space Needle here and he's ripping pieces of it and throwing it down. They they make a big deal about Hulk being bad and and they don't know why. And then they never explain why. It's just that it has something to do with those teens we met up with, but I can't help thinking there's a whole lot more going on here than meets the eye. But they never resolve it. Uh-uh. They all just get pulled away to go somewhere else um, after fighting on the Space Needle. They go back to the cave in Canada where uh, Colin Rankin, Cal- is that his name? Kelvin. Kelvin. Kelvin Rankin. Mm-hmm. His, his father is somehow in the machinery there and... Uh, I don't know. I don't even care. Hulk turns into Bruce Banner, and uh, I'm sorry. This story was just bad. There's it, a lot it, of words in the six pages because I think they're like, "Well, we got to wrap it up because we're at the last part." The 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 gist of it, which was the only part of this I liked, was that Wolverine teaches Calvin Rankin to meditate, which right. is something he would do. Is or is not? Is yeah. I feel you know Wolverine meditates, and we see Calvin Rankin meditating and. They don't kill off Kelvin Rankin, which is nice. Kelvin Rankin is still a presence in the Marvel Universe. He doesn't look like Wolverine by the last panel for some reason. but His father's not really there. It's just like a holographic no, pre-recorded message that he gives him like a bunch of information. It's a little more complicated than that, which is why I didn't want to get into yeah. it. But he's in the machine and in order to get them to see him, he ends up having to destroy the machines. Right. So... So he can't get any more messages from his father. Right. Um, And so at some point, Calvin Rankin is able to change from his Wolverine uh, guise, if you will, in back to Calvin Rankin, I guess. And and he sets up, I guess he's not even in Canada. Did did they send him to Japan? Because he's like in a Japanese monastery. I don't know. And, you and know, they don't tell you. They don't. And he's he's sitting on like a carpet on a wooded floor and there's like some smoke and some and some incense. And he's, he's sitting there med- meditating uh, to, to try to gain peace in his mind. And that's what Wolverine is like. Oh, I'm conflicted and animalistic behaviors. And the one thing that centers me might work for you. That's meditation. So maybe it wasn't just meditating. It was going to Japan to meditate. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. I didn't really read the Scarlet Witch story. Not that we were really covering it. Um, I liked the first part of it, but then I started flipping through this, and I'm like, I don't care. She's a pirate. Yeah, it's. Uh, I read it. It's you. You summed it up. She's a pirate. <laughs> um, 
I guess it's one of her ancestors was a pirate and she embodies that ancestor and that the ancestor also has twin uh, children and then they are able to keep in contact with each other. So they decide that they're going to work together to get Scarlet Witch back into the present. Okay. If you say so. I don't know. This is only like a three-parter, so it should be over soon. <laughs> like I said, I, I didn't read it. It's a it's a four-parter. Oh, oh. My, oh my god! So two more parts on that. Well, there it is, Adam. The end of uh, an extended what? session of B sides. Yeah. Uh, next week we'll be back to the X Men proper again. Good, good stuff. In which we see what happens to Rogue. I think. I think it's that episode. I can't wait because I don't remember. I don't remember either. I didn't even remember that Magneto was in Uncanny prior to X-Men number one. But he's on the cover. So that'll be fun. Looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Adam, you got anything else? Nah. Perfect. Neither do I. So until next time, my name's Jeremy. Avoid those terrible Wolverine stories. My name's Adam. <laughs> Uh, and the danger room is closed. <laughs> <laughs>